Hello, my name is Sara Serpa. I'm a vocalist composer from Lisboa, Portugal, and I live in New York for the past 15 years. And I'm really happy to be here at Vox Exploration with Clarice Azar. <laughs> Thank you so much, Sara. It's just a pleasure to have you in the show. I have known about you for so many years now, but even though we've sometime lived in the same city of New York, I never met you in person. So it's lovely to put your face to the music, the sounds I've been listening to for some time. And with that said, let's start with one of your compositions from an album called Close Up. We're about to listen to a track called Object. The work is scored for an unusual combination of instruments, a cello, a saxophone, and Sarah as a vocalist. By the way, that was Ingrid Laubrock on saxophone and Eric Friedlander on cello. Sarah, you are one of the most prominent figures in the experimental contemporary music scene in New York. The reason why I wanted to talk to you also is to find out more about your relationship with the scene and your voice as an instrument. Can you talk a little bit about that and about this piece that you wrote? Object, yeah. Um, you know, like writing for this group was a very new experience for me because, uh, first of all, there was there's no harmonic instrument in this group, you know, so it was really a challenge to find my place in that You know, I wrote like little things. I wrote specifically for the group, but I had never written for cello or for saxophone, like being kind of a main instrument. Yeah, usually it's either the voice or the saxophone who will take the lead or even the cello as a soloist. So did you have some uh, guidelines for yourself to create in this musical environment? My idea was always like, how can we shift uh, roles? You know, how can I sometimes be the bass line? And then suddenly the cello is the bass line and then the, the saxophone is uh, the soloist. How can I still be present? This was another track from the same album called The Future. It is very reflective in a way. There is an almost hypnotic introspectiveness to the music. Are most of this music written down or improvised? Most of the things are written, yeah. yeah. Let's listen to another track from Close Up, which again explores this particular combination of instruments in another way. 
This track called "Woman" was the first time we hear you sing words, and I'm often fascinated with the idea of a vocalist blending in with an ensemble, taking on different roles within the group instead of always taking center stage. I didn't want to be in the front, you know. I didn't want to be the vocalist who's in the front and um, sings the melody and then. Uh, withdraws. Always been interested in this collective process of making music. As I reflect, singing in a choir gave me that a lot, you know, where you're part of a big group, you know, and there's a lot of joy in being that whole big unity. And and so I really kind of, I think I aspired for that. Mm, yeah, that makes so much sense. And another thing that interests me is that I know you got your beginnings in jazz, right? So I want to say, like, when I went to the jazz school, I had no idea what would happen there. I, I spent my whole childhood until I was 18 years old learning European classical music. I studied piano. I sing, sang in a choir. And I never really envisioned myself as a professional musician. You know, I thought I was going to be something else. Wow. And how was singing jazz in Portugal before you immigrated to the U.S.? When I started singing jazz in Portugal, things were not as developed as they are now. There was no colleges offering courses in jazz. You know, there was mainly just hot club and the hot club jazz school. It was a very small scene. And I was very interested in experimenting my instrument in not a, such a traditional way. You know, or I, I felt like... There was something that I wanted to do that I was not being offered in Portugal. People would graduate from Hot Club and become teachers at Hot Club. And for me, it was like, I need, I feel I need to learn more. Mm, yeah. So that also makes a lot of sense to me why you left Portugal to go study in the U.S. and eventually land in New York City, where it's one of the few cities in the U.S., at least before the pandemic, that had such a strong jazz and improvised music scene going on. You sent me an interesting track of yourself singing a standard. I'd like to play that now and talk a little bit about that. Sara Serpa on voice and Rand Blake on piano. to me. 
Wow, that really feels like such a wonderful live, intimate performance right there. Lovely, haunting harmonies from Ran and sweet, tender vocals from you. Ran was actually the first person who made me comfortable singing standards, which was something I never really ventured, you know, into, because I felt like I don't know this language very well. I don't know how to express myself. Um, and also, like, how do I connect with these songs that were written 50 or 60 years ago and make them mine. Mm -hmm. Yes, I understand that. And I can totally relate to that at a very deep level as well. One of the things that I noticed about this arrangement and your rendition of it with him is how it stayed pretty much in the same dynamic range. And usually like there's this expectation that things have to grow and, and be big and bold and make a huge statement. And yet, that did never happen in this arrangement. And I thought this was quite interesting. I like things that are not too obvious sometimes, you know, like I like the subtleties and um, not presenting everything uh, in the face. <laughs> of, uh, so, 
mm-hmm. allow room for people to have different interpretations and to explore without telling them like this is what you should listen to or um so maybe yeah there's some introspection maybe mm. <laughs> speaking of introspection how would you describe your personality outside of music and does that affect the kind of music you make Woof, I think that's a such a <laughs> complex question. You know, I don't know. That's a really hard question, Clarice. I don't know how to respond to that. Um, Come on. I think I'm open-minded, you know, and really curious about the world in general. I'm interested in making connections with different people here, different perspectives of the world, you know. And, and so, like, it, it has always been that way. Living in New York... And as a person, you know, you're an outsider in a little bit, you know, you're an immigrant trying to adjust not just to language and to a culture, but also to a city that's, it's kind of incredibly competitive. Mm-hmm. And in a, in a field also sometimes that can be so male dominated. Mm. The only way I can prove myself is through my work and the connections I want to build, but hoping that my work will speak for myself. Yeah. Yes. And how do you feel about competition? Competition is really positive. It makes me, you know, being in New York always makes me work harder. There's something, some kind of energy that's really positive of being in New York. That, and I think I, I, I need that. I needed that. Like whenever I come to Lisbon, I love it. But there's some kind of thing that it's missing. That whole gathering of creative minds, you know, and energy. I, I really love that. Um, but sometimes competition can be bad. I think more for our psyche, you know, for our, our mental state, um, you know, comparing ourselves to others or, you know, just feeling, um, you know, that we deserve stuff that we're not getting, you know. So I think there's good ways of looking at competition and seeing how does that motivate me to work and, and, and try, trying not to let it kind of drag you down. Yes, like everything in life, there is the great side and the not so great side of things. And with that said, this ties beautifully with the last question I have for you. Actually, it's not really a question. It's just a conversation regarding your latest project called Recognition. I think it's quite a relevant piece, especially with what's going on in the world today. Can you talk about that? Uh, about the project, about recognition. Yeah, I think like a recognition at first was an attempt for me to kind of understand this family connection to Angola. You know, my parents were born in Angola. Um, my grandfather was born there too. Like, I think almost all my family uh, spent a lot of time in Angola and they left when, when Angola was liberated. You know, and it's not a subject that it's talked about um, in general. In Portugal, you know, there's kind of like a taboo, like not really recognizing what happened during those colonial times. You don't hear about the atrocities that were committed by then, you know. So basically, I was invited by John Zorn to present film with music. He had he was presenting this series, and he invited me to be part of it. And so I decided, oh, I'm going to create my own thing. I started researching on family albums, you know, photographs. While I was doing this, my mother discovered these Super 8 films that were filmed by my grandfather in Angola in the 60s, you know, so the colonial war or liberation war had already started. Uh, my mother was like 11 years old, you know, so she never saw those films before. So like I digitalized the films and and that was a revelation, you know, there was kind of like this is how it looked, you know, and because when you see black and white pictures, 
it's one thing, but you, these are like colored films, super eight films. And then it was trying to make sense of these images, you know, what do they mean um, and how do I relate to them? And so the idea was to create an, a new narrative, like how would this, the real narrative? So chose texts by Emilio Cabral, and, and then like at some point this became a silent film, you know, so this would be a silent film with live performance, live music. And so the music really became almost like a secondary part at some point, you know, because first it was like, I need to create a narrative and now I need to create the, the music to fit this film, you know. The, mm -hmm. the, and is it out? It's available, you know, the film is on Vimeo and you can watch the whole film there and you can rent it. It's intense, you know, it's not, it's not like um, entertainment per se, you know, because it's very critical, you know, and it, it exposes a reality that it's often not talked about. Uh, in Portugal, definitely not, you know, like there's a very, a lot of ignorance about this um, and silencing this past, you know, so, yeah, for me, it was a way to also kind of deal with this um, silence. Yes, and I'm really looking forward to watching this on Vimeo. Thank you so much for sharing your music with us today. Let's close with another incredible track from Recognition by Sara Serpa. Umbundo. Kimbundo. Kikongo. Chokwe. Kwanyama Oshi Kwanyama Gangela Lingala Bangala Lunda Ngoya Nyaneka Oshiwambo Songo Zinga Zinga Queen Zinga Queen Zinga, ruler of Nagongo Kingdom. She came to power in Africa through her military prowess, skillful manipulation of religion, successful diplomacy, understanding of politics. She was vilified by her European contemporaries and writers as an uncivilized savage who embodied the worst of womankind. She ruled for three decades, defied 13 Portuguese governors. Thank you.
provided the model for remaking the colonized Portuguese subjects into revolutionary guerrillas whose duty, like hers, was to gain independence of Angola and keep the people united. Throughout the 400 years of Portuguese occupation, resistance never stopped. Queen Zinga, ruler of the Dongo Kingdom. Zinga. Thank you.